What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to Jonathan Taylor Thomas Talks Major League Baseball. The New York Yankees have won like nine more games in the Red Sox at this point edition. John, good afternoon. How are you? How did that happen? How did, <laughs> and I know, oh, I know we're going to talk about the Yankees at some point, maybe now, maybe later, but boy. Let's just start with the Yankees. Boy. All right. Boy. Boy, has it all gone wrong. <laughs> Not great. What? They were leading the AL East like three weeks ago, and now they are like half a game ahead of the Orioles for the final postseason spot. This Orioles-Yankees series that is starting <laughs> uh, tomorrow, four-game series against the Orioles, is actually going to have postseason implications. Just like we all expected. Just like we all thought, just like we all thought coming into the season that the difference between the New York Yankees making or missing the playoffs was going to be the Baltimore Orioles. Who'd have thunk it? You love to see it. Um, You you really do love to see it, honestly. In your estimation, when you look at what's gone wrong, what, what do you pinpoint as the reason the Yankees are now fighting for their playoff lives? Uh, well, they're not scoring runs anymore. That's a, that's a really big problem. Neither are the Braves. They have. I mean, neither are the Braves, but the Braves have their own excellent problems, like the fact that they don't have a rotation anymore. Yeah, um, Freed now gone. But Colty's Yankees, back in. The Yankees offense, the Yankees offense has more or less just gone dead. Um, they're over the last 20 games, they're what, five and five and 15 over their last, uh, 20 games or whatever it is. So that's dating back to the 17th or so. Or let's say since August 18th, they are, I believe, yeah, they're five and fifteen. They are hitting two hundred three, three hundred four, three forty six, and averaging uh, three and a half runs a game. You're you're just not going to win baseball games that way. It doesn't matter what else you're doing. Like you just can't. You cannot win baseball games when you're hitting like Alcides Escobar as a team. And what did he do to you? Some of that is. That's world champion Alcides Escobar to you, sir. He's just been my default, like, terrible hitter for whenever I need to make a comparison of any sort. 
See, um, I was more of a Jose Iglesias guy or a. Uh, Jose Iglesias is good now. He was he's good now, but better. he was batting. I swear, one ninety seven for a four year stretch in Detroit I, and Boston. That probably is true. He was a very he was a very very bad hitter for a long for a long period of time. Um, but yeah, that 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 is that is cause number one. This team can't hit right now. And some of that is just the injuries. They're down, obviously, Judge and Stanton and Gio Urshela. Um, some of that is Gary Sanchez slumping. Some of that is Clay Torres getting hurt and then coming back and still not hitting. Um, some of that is, you know, guys like Brett Gardner showing their age. And a lot of that, too, I think is just, you know, they had a lot of success last year, last year with that whole next man up philosophy where they just, you know, every injury just someone new came up and did something crazy. And it was Urshela. It was Mike Talkman. It was Luke Voigt. It was, um, I guess, to a certain extent, DJ LeMahieu certainly put together a season that I don't think anyone really expected last year. Uh, Mike Ford is another guy you know, who did some nice things for them last year. And that's just not happening this year. And I, I'm not sure. I don't necessarily know what you chalk that up to. For, like, Void obviously, is, is, is hitting very well. So that's Talkman, Ford. You know, these, these kinds of, like, these undersung kind of, uh, like, like I said, that, that next man up mentality. And part of me wonders if there's just too much of a mental, like, crush for these guys because this, this this is the second straight year that the Yankees have basically had to do this have had to just build a roster on the fly and plug in holes all over the place because of injuries and I imagine I, I, I do wonder to a certain degree if the combination of the exhaustion of having to do this last year the exhaustion of having to do this this year combined with you know the the mental exhaustion of playing in the pandemic and of playing in a shortened season on top of, you know, last year you could survive this stuff because guys like Labor Torres were having MVP caliber seasons, you know, or Aaron Hicks. And Hicks was having a fine year, but not a, not a great one. Um, you can't really survive that when you have both Torres. You can't survive a lineup that is, in effect, missing Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Gary Sanchez and Labor Torres and Gio Urshela. Like, you can't. You can't survive with a lineup that has to be plugging in Tyler Wade and Tyro Estrada and Kyle Higashioka over and over and over again with no one else picking up the slack. You're, you're putting too much pressure on those guys to do all the work, and they're just not – like Mike Talkman was a really nice story last year, but he put, he's a reserve outfielder. He's not a starter. You know, Mike Ford is not a starter. Tyler, these are reserves. These are guys you plug in a couple times a week to get some guys some days off or in, in like viable platoon matchups. These aren't names you want to pencil in every day. So I think first and foremost, that, that is a huge problem with the Yankees. The second is a pitching staff that Garrett Cole is not pitching the way they expected. So he's only got a ERA plus of 118. He's got a FIP over four and a half, giving up a ton of home runs. He's still striking out a ton of people because he's still Garrett Cole, but he's not putting together the kind of season I think the Yankees would have expected for, you know, $350 million or whatever, $315 million, I'm not, I don't remember. Um, and then beyond that, beyond him and Tanaka, there's really not a whole lot to count on. Jay Happ's been very bad. Jordan Montgomery has not given them enough. James Paxson obviously is hurt. And the depth starting pitching-wise we all kind of thought that they were going to have, it just isn't really there. And I think some of that is, again, injuries. Like losing Jonathan Weissig is a big one because he's been a very useful and valuable swingman for them. But they've also just got this, I think a real issue for them is that these young guys that they've kind of been counting on to like help fill holes as necessary, they're not ready. Mike King, Nick Nelson, um, Clark Schmidt, like, they're not ready. Davey Garcia obviously looks, has looked very good in his two starts so far, but that's, you know, I, the kid's only 21 years old. How much can you realistically expect from him? And then losing guys like Malaysia, um, losing especially like injuries, guys, guys like 
two guys like Tommy Canely, Zach Britton was out for a bit, or also Chapman was out for a bit, you know, and, and also he has not been Chapman has not been particularly good in his few outings. Um, just means you have to keep shuffling more parts, put more pressure on the bullpen. Like it, it really is everything about the Yankees just isn't working right now because they are just down so many useful bodies in every place. And the guys who are supposed to be carrying them, even through those injuries, you're, you know, Cole and, 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 uh, Sanchez and, and Glaber. And, um, I guess to a certain degree, like Chapman, like they're underperforming. So I, I, it really is kind of everything. And I don't know if you're, if you're the Yankees, how you get out of this, because your only real hope because especially because they made no moves at the trade deadline, which, you know, you and I and everyone can argue forever, whether or not that was the right move for, for Brian Cashman, especially given that we don't know what was, you know, necessarily what the team was looking for, what was out there. But the only real, the only real hope for them is just hope everyone gets healthy quickly. Hope you get judged back. That's soon, my analysis too. It's like they're, when they're healthy, then, they're hitting well. When they're healthy, their pitching should be fine. When their bullpen should be fine. Like it really is all coming down to health. And if you're Brian Cashman, you're like, I can't force these guys to be healthy. I don't know what you want me to do. You can't. And again, the, the big thing that's hurting them isn't, it's, it's the combination of the, of those guys getting hurt. And also the guys who are still left, with the exception of Voight and LeMayhew. And amazingly enough, Clint Frazier who's really, really, I think put himself in a really nice position either to become a regular outfielder for the Yankees going forward, or at least finally get himself traded to a team that sees him that way. But the problem you run into is just, you know, aside from those few guys, like no one is, no one else is stepping up. And and that's really a problem. You can survive injuries. You can't survive injuries and slumps. That, that's just too much of one go. I think the Yankees are going to be fine. I think they're, I mean, they'll make the playoffs. I don't see how they don't make the playoffs right now. Per Fangraphs, um, they are. That's the thing. They are a better team than the teams both both the Blue Jays in front of them and the Orioles behind them. And I, what I think will be interesting though is the, um, from here on out. I know they're they're finishing. I up love the we're with talking the Blue about Jays this today. that we actually have to say. I think they're better than the Orioles. We actually have to say we this think, realistically on this podcast. Like really that big, is a thing. The really big thing for the Yankees going forward is that of their remaining counting today seventeen games. Um, 12 of them are against Toronto and Baltimore. So they really have, it, it is really entirely in their hands. You know, they can both make up ground on Toronto and put the Orioles in the rearview mirror. I mean, it helps too. They got three games left against the Red Sox who have just completely given up on the season. And their final three games of the season are against Miami, who is, you know, a scrappy, hard, like hard fighting team that is also in the playoff chase. But again, the, the Yankees are better than every team they're playing going forward. And they have entirely the opportunities entirely in their hands to make up ground and create distance as it, as need be. So that I think is another important point too. That is a good thing you can see it is. Well, I think another important point too about this is that the Yankees are like the ultimate. They just need to survive and get in type team. Where if the injuries are happening now, yeah. with moving to the bubble. For the playoffs, moving to a situation where they it's not like they're going to have to play on the road in Houston or something like that for their playoff lives. They're not going to have to do a play-in wildcard game. They're not going to have to do what most teams would have to do if they were something like this and just trying to get in a normal season. The Yankees are like the perfect type team where the seeding doesn't matter, that they're still just a team that as long as they're in, they could be healthy 
across the board in a month and a half, and then they're back to being the best team in baseball. Like that is that is an important point of this. So they might wear gray more often in the playoffs than uh, we previously thought they would, but I don't think that matters if they're healthy. And I think they're like the ultimate team that benefits from the the, the playoff bubble and where their season's just gone. Yeah, I, I just think like, again, the thing with the Yankees is, you know, there are no reinforcements or the reinforcements coming are just, you know, the guys who are hurt right now. And if those guys either don't get healthy in time, and there's really not that much time left. And the thing is that everything has been very vague about Judge and, and Stanton in particular, the kind of the two guys they need the, mo- the back the most. Um, just depending on that, you know, because if those guys don't get healthy, sure, this team probably makes the playoffs, but oh boy, I don't know how far they go if they don't have a healthy Judge and a healthy Stanton, or unless Garrett Cole just goes back to being 2019 Garrett Cole. And even then, he's only pitching one, you know, one out of every at best three games. You know, you, you really can't count on that. You need, they need that lineup to be better. They need Judge and Stanton back, and they need Torres and Sanchez to be hitting. Because otherwise, you know, I guess I guess you can survive if you have Judge, Stanton, Voight, and Lemayhew all hitting, and I guess Clint Frazier. But yeah, it, 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 it's a tough it's a tough place for the Yankees. Like we said, there, there's the only help coming is guys getting healthy, and there's no there's no you like Brian Cashman can't make those guys get healthy sooner. He's in a tough spot, but I also just, I don't, I think he'll be fine. Like I'm not nervous yet. I, I think if they're healthy, come playoff time, they have a very good shot at getting out of the AL. And if they're not, then I think they're cooked. Um, speaking of teams that might be cooked, the Cincinnati Reds, who I believe before the season started, you penciled in, it's the NL central winner. Correct. We all make mistakes, you know that. <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. How are you feeling about your NL Central favorites at the moment? Uh, given that their playoff odds are like nine percent right now, and that they're six games under five hundred and fourth place in the division, uh, not great, not great at all. But you know, I, I mean, but like, look, if you go back and go back to the start of the season or before the season or whatever, like you would have, I was not the only person tooting the Reds horn you know and there are a lot of reasons to like this team they had a good lineup they had a good rotation they had a pretty useful bullpen it's just for whatever reason this team can't hit and when i say can't hit i mean they have a collective team batting average of 210 mm-hmm. that is the worst batting average in baseball they have one of the lowest batting average on balls in playing baseball they have one of the lowest batting averages with runners in scoring position in baseball they just can't make contact not even necessarily they can't make contact. Their contact rates are actually pretty normal. They just can't get hit. And I imagine to a certain degree, and I was I was in the process of looking this up when we started this, and I'm, I'm kind of taking a look now. They also, they have really bad numbers against the shift. And I wonder if this is a team that has just been shifted to death. <laughs> Which is funny because death they don't hit that many shifts. ground balls. They hit, they hit it in the air a lot, which is what you're supposed to do when you play a great American ballpark. Um, but they have just they they can't hit against the shift. They can't really hit with runners in scoring position. They can't they they're I know batting average is a dead dying thing at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it is really something. This this team just can't hit, and it, it is kind of overshot. I mean, like 
that is how you end up in a position where you're six games under 500 despite having a rotation with Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo in it. And a bullpen that has, for the most part, been pretty good. You know, and they went for it, too, the deadline. They got Archie Bradley, they got Brian Goodwin, and that isn't necessarily, you know, selling the farm or anything. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, they got useful players, and it just hasn't panned out. No one can hit. You know, no one. And, like, some of that maybe you could have expected. Like, I don't really know that you would have expected Freddie Galvis to be, to be I mean, but you, you can sign Freddie Galvis. You're not expecting him to carry the offense. You're just expecting him to play a competent shortstop and maybe league average offensively. You know, your real problem is you have Eugenio Suarez hitting 199 with a league, with a league average OPS. Or you have Joey Votto sitting below league, league average OPS. You have Tucker Barnhart with a way below league average OPS plus, you know. There are, the only guys in that lineup who are hitting are Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker. That's, that's really it. Um, Kirk Casale when he plays too, I guess. But other than that, you just, there are a lot of holes. And I, it's kind of a similar situation, I think, to the Yankees, although not so much with the injuries. I mean, their only real major injury at this point is Nick Senzel's um, been on the COVID IL for weeks at this point. I don't think they even officially have said it's COVID. He's just been, he just vanished at some point. Um, but just that everyone is slumping. And I don't really know what you do at a certain point with that. You know, if, if a team isn't going to really a whole lot you can do about that. I wonder, they're one of those teams where we didn't even talk about them at the deadline and what they did for the most part. Like, did they make a mistake not looking to see what they could have gotten for Iglesias or Amir Garrett or, cause they, they traded for Archie Bradley. Like they, I, the reason I really want to talk about the Reds today is that their president, like when you hear the, the, the people, the powers that be come out with like, we'd be very disappointed if we don't reach goal X, people are getting fired. If goal X is not reached that year is what he's saying. And right. I don't know if that's fair. And I don't know if this team should have been like, I was lower on the reds coming in this year, but like, I don't know if they're quite ready. I think there's, they're moving in the right direction. I think Sonny Gray was good. I think the Trevor Bauer stuff was good. I think they built a solid bullpen. I think a lot of their moves, like I'm not mad at it. Like I think Mike Moustakis was good value. I think when you look at what they've done, I mean, even getting Goodwin for nothing was fine. I just, the Castellanos, like you said, he's just always going to be awesome. I, I don't, I don't hate what they've done. Like I don't hate where they're at. I just think that they're a team where it's one of those seasons where Everything went wrong, but they're still moving in the right direction. I don't think progress is linear, and I think it would be a mistake to clean house, but I also suspect that um, they will be cleaning house if they do not make the playoffs this year. Uh, This is a team that really should be more than the – the sum should be greater than the parts, and it just has not come together. And I I can't say why. I don't know what – you know – what if anything is going on behind the scenes? I mean, but like you said, like it seems like they made they have made the right moves and they've made smart decisions. You know, Castellanos I thought was a good signing, but Mustakas was a good value signing. The trade for Gray was obviously great. The trade for Bauer, they didn't. You know, they lost Taylor Trammell, but Taylor Trammell's stock is pretty down at this point. And they got a guy who has given them a you know a very great season. You know, the only problem there is he's not going to be around next season. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it is hard to say exactly what is wrong with the Reds beyond that they can't hit. Here's a, here's a weird thing. They have the fewest singles in baseball. And I don't necessarily know that that means anything or if huh. it means anything or what it would mean. 
but that team is just it they is a get some very more Mar- Mar- in there. It's a, it just feels like a very all-or-nothing team to me, where they're either bashing six homers a game or they're getting shut out. Because I know it has become like a, it's a joke, especially among Yankees' Twitter, the idea of too many homers. You know, this team hits too many home runs. But that's not even the case for the Reds necessarily, because home run-wise they rank, um, well, they're sixth in baseball, you know, 64. So they, they hit plenty of homers, but they just don't seem to do anything else. Well, they, they hit homers and walks. That's, that's, that's a funny thing. They hit a fair amount of home runs, and they have the highest walk rate in baseball. That should be Those should be the ingredients to a good offense. And yet they average, what, like four runs a game, something like that? They're, they're just kind of a mess for some reason. And I, I can't honestly wrap my head around it. Like, this, this team should be better. They average uh, 3.8 runs per game. Part of me wonders if, as with, and I don't know if this is the case for the other teams that got COVID interrupted, but if, if the COVID interruptions had a, an impact on them, they had about, a, about five days off in the middle of the season, and they've played, you know, four double headers in the roughly three weeks since. And, like, their record doesn't really show anything in terms of, you know, that having a real effect. I do wonder if, to a certain degree, this team is kind of exhausted right now. Uh, um, if there is just something to the effect that they just, but again, you look at their runs scored. It is really all or nothing. Like there are a few games where they put up six runs, and you have a bunch of games like they had a four-game stretch um, from the 22nd to the 25th where they scored zero, two, two, and two runs. Then a three-game stretch where they scored six, six, and six runs, and zero runs, six runs, one run, five runs, two runs. Like again, it, it, it is very. I'm going to keep saying it, it is very all or nothing. I I don't have a good answer why aside from, you know, maybe maybe the shift has had an effect. Maybe. You know, maybe this is a team that just has too many, you know, but it's funny. You look at their team swing rate, nothing crazy. You know, this is not a team of super hackers. It mostly just seems like it's a team that just tries to put the ball in the air all the time. And maybe there are limits as to how how far that can work. I don't know. I mean, it it certainly does put you in a position where if if the balls are not going out of the park, you're in a little bit of trouble because you don't have guys who really do a whole lot else, but. That's the thing. They're just kind of a batting average sink. They're a bat- batting average on balls in place thing, too. They're just not, despite hitting the ball hard regularly, they just don't get results out of it. And I think that's probably just because they're just putting the ball in the air a lot. And a hard-hit fly ball that doesn't go out of the park is still just a hard-hit fly ball, you know? I'm feeling good about my uh, Philadelphia Phillies winning the NLE's preseason pick. Is that, I haven't looked at the MLB NLE standings of late. Is it still just a horrible, dumb mess? Well, the Phillies are breaking through. So, like, the Phillies, I think, are like a game or two back at the moment. Um, let me pull They're game up. and a half back, yeah. yeah. And Atlanta, Atlanta's in some trouble right now. Atlanta's not in trouble of making the playoffs. They're just in trouble of, like, they are getting bounced early. Like, there's just no internal options. Like, Ian Anderson's been a great story, and I, I love the idea of bringing Culberson back just so we can we can have Anderson Colberson and Swanson sit next to each other in the dugout from time to time, because Meg rally of fan graphs being blown away by another Dansby Swanson lookalike is good Twitter content. Wait, is Ian, is Ian Anderson a Dansby Swanson lookalike too? Oh, look up Dansby Swanson, Ian Anderson right now. Okay. I, I have not, I don't actually know what Ian Anderson looks like. I just, I just kind of assumed he was a young boy. Oh yeah! What the hell? What? <laughs> That's not Dansby Swanson. Uh, what is what? How? 
is there a lab where they make these guys? What? I don't know. That's really confusing. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, your Phillies pick, um, I, I, I mean, here's my thing with the Phillies. That bullpen is still just too bad to me. It, it, it but is that's so good bad for the NL East. We learned last year, a bad bullpen is the recipe <laughs> for playoff success. <laughs> it's a recipe for playoff success if you have Max Scherzer, Stephen Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin on your team all at the same time. Uh, the Phillies have Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, and then a whole lot of shoulder shrugging, which is going to be their downfall because they have a bullpen that cannot hold lead. Every game they win has to be like 10-8. to 8. Or if it's a NOLA game, like 4-1. to one Is something. it time to bring you back know? Brad Lidge? What is he up to? Still still wondering where Albert Pujols' home run landed. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the Phillies, at least the, their offense is doing the thing we expect them to do, which is hit. Um, after everybody finally got healthy and seemed to have removed their head from their butt. But it really, I mean, I, I just don't know how far a team can go when you have a bullpen that is just completely incapable of holding leads, you know? Um, and not just incapable of holding leads, but it just poor every, every pitcher they've added. And granted, like, they added Brandon Workman and Keith Hembree and David Phelps. They didn't add, you know, the nasty boys in their prime. But those guys show up and immediately turn into garbage. Which it just is weird. Like, there's obviously no real good reason that should be happening, but it's happening nonetheless. And I don't know if you're if you're the Phillies, what do you do about that? What do you do about your terrible, terrible bullpen? You know, one that allows the highest um, home run to fly ball rate in the major leagues, that has the highest batting average on balls in play allowed by relievers in the league, that has the uh, where is it? Where are they? Actually, they don't walk that many guys, but they don't strike that many guys out either. They, you know, their peripherals are, their bullpen is an area of seven and a half. That should be impossible. <laughs> that should be completely impossible. Even the Nationals last year, I think their bullpen area is still like four, like maybe high fours, low fives. Even they weren't that bad. Although their fifth is only, is a, is a tad shy of six, so they've been a little unlucky. But, I mean, like, you can't win with a bullpen that bad. It's just not possible. You can survive in in an NL East that is very uneven and very mediocre on the whole, but you're not going to get much further than that. And I think that's probably just true of the of the of the NL East in general. Like, you look at that division, like no one there's winning shit. You know, that division just exists to get knocked out in the first round against whoever it plays. I don't Whoever think so. The, I think the Phillies' you know, the offense the is going to be a problem. I really do. The Braves have more problems than just the rotation. Their offense stinks now. They're not going to get a healthy Albies back this year. They're they're in trouble. They're in trouble across the board. Um, well, sure. I mean, the, the Phillies, the Phillies can the win a series. The Phillies, bullpen, the Phillies bullpen is also a problem. The Phillies bullpen is an enormous problem because there is no – who in that bullpen do you trust? Who in that bullpen with a one-run lead in the seventh inning of a playoff game do you want to see out there? Nobody. Exactly. There's no one in that bullpen you feel comfortable seeing come out in the mound at all. Not one bit. And that's going to be the problem the whole time. They're either going to have to move every, they're either going to have to figure out, can we turn Vinny Velasquez and Zach Eflin and maybe Spencer Howard into, you know, useful relief arms over the course of a postseason? How much do you trust that? And then you just roll with Nola Wheeler and Arietta as your starting three and just, the hope that they can each give you like six or seven innings, like every single night. 
which maybe they can. If nothing else, like those guys are, but like Arietta is also just, a, he is completely finished by this point in time. I think that if you're looking for the kind of model for what the Phillies might do, it's, it's not the Nationals from last year, it's the Red Sox from two years ago. And granted, that Red Sox team was way, way, way better than the Phillies team is. Um, but that Red Sox team had a really bad bullpen, but survived because Alex Cora got super aggressive with using his starters in relief and just getting it got it like he just didn't really have guys he could trust with the exception of Craig Kimball and Craig Kimball was terrible that postseason. You know, he had to lean on his starters. He had to use them. So yeah, I mean, you know, what Alex Cora had to do was just pull guys out of the pull guys out of the rotation, use them in relief, you know, just get get aggressive with the relief moves he was making. And I think that is what Joe Girardi is going to have to do with the Phillies team. Is he's going to have to use guys like Eflin and Howard and Velasquez and whoever else is kind of kicking around and might be useful, might have a live arm, and hope that they can do some relief work because otherwise, I don't know who you trust, and there are no other reinforcements coming. You know, this is this, this is a team where I guess you know they they made some moves that you know they got Workman, they got Hembry, they got Phelps. You know, you can't say they didn't do anything, but you kind of wish if you're a Phillies fan that they had done a little more than just kind of these guys who are middle relievers or two relievers from the worst team in baseball. You know, you, you kind of wish that they had maybe aimed a little higher, you know, maybe, maybe go after a guy like an Archie Bradley, or maybe have gone after, you know, a, another better reliever like that. But um, that's just kind of my thing with the Phillies because, you know, yeah, that offense can hit that offense will do damage. You know, that everyone there is producing with the exception of, you know, Gene Segura and I guess to a certain degree McCutcheon, but that you have worse problems than that. And that, that's the thing. Like, how do you fix this particularly bad, particularly, you know, big problem? And it, it probably just is going to have to be you get some guys out of the rotation and hope they can give you some good innings and relief in the, play, in the playoffs. To wrap up, I want to go through the, uh, the if the playoffs started today thing. We got to get used to this new playoff format. Mm-hmm. It's very appetizing. Oh, yeah. Rays okay. Yankees would happen first. Dear God. Okay. Dear God. Boy. Boy. White Sox twins. Wait, so how, how re- refresh me. How, how does, I'm, I'm going to look it up just to see exactly how this does work. It's so, based on seating. They're not doing one, like it, divisional or anything. Oh, so it's 1-8-2-7-3-6-4-5? Yes. yes. Okay. So then right now, based on, based on the current standings, you have Rays Yankees in the AL. Rays Yankees, A's twins. No, no, no. Indian it would be A's Astros. Why would it be A's Astros? That's two six. I, 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 the Athletics are three right now, with what I'm looking at. Well, I, I'm looking at MLB.com's seating, and they have Rays, A's, Indians, White Sox, Blue okay. Jays, Astros, Yankees. So maybe this is a little okay. Either way, yeah. Okay, so then what does the NL have on MLB.com? Uh, Dodgers, Cubs, Braves, Padres, Phillies, Cardinals, Marlins, Giants. Good God. Yeah. The Marlins are going to make the playoffs. That's going to be really funny. Derek Jeter told you. Take that data. I'm not going to lie. Padres Phillies would be a lot of fun. Uh, the rematch of Braves Cardinals, I think I would rather watch a car try to like, like someone trying to jumpstart a car. That has, that Braves Cardinals series has the, is going to be, Permanently bad. But also, fuck that, because I'm not over last year. I don't want Cardinals again. I don't want that Cubs devil. Marlins is going to be weird. But I am extremely here for the Giants knocking the Dodgers out. We, we all know that's going to happen. <laughs> it is a lock. It is a stone-cold lock that it will happen. 
it will be the funniest possible outcome, but it will happen. I mean, I, you look at, okay, so based on the standings now, the ones they really look forward to, Padres, Phillies would just be like, every game would be like 12 to 7. And it's going to be Tatis is doing Tatis things on the big stage, which I love. Rays, Yankees would obviously be a lot of fun. A's, Twins would be a lot of fun. Um, White Sox, Blue Jays would be scrappy. That'd be a real scrappy series. Um, really, like, there, there's some good, there's some interesting matchups in the AL. I think the NL's problem is, you have a lot of teams, you have the, the Cubs, the Braves, and the Cardinals in particular, who are just kind of like, we've seen these guys so much, and neither of like, The problem with the NL, I just feel like, is every team is not as good as the Dodgers. You know, you, you don't really feel that there's... The AL, you get the feeling that, like, any one of those teams, with, probably, with the probable exception of, like, the Blue Jays, has a real chance of winning the pennant. You know, any of those teams can get hot for, a, for enough of a stretch of time. But with the NL, just all those teams just feel very flawed to me. And it just feels like it's basically just like, you know, is it, you know, I know I made the joke already, like Giants will definitely beat the Dodgers, but like, you look at that NL, the NL standings, like, does it really feel like any of those teams, with possibly the exception of the Padres, has what it takes to take the Dodgers down? I don't feel great about any of those other teams. I would, I would really want to see a Padres-Dodgers NLCS. That would be insane amounts of fun. But they're the only team I look at right now where I feel like that they can give the Dodgers a run. No love for the Cubs. I don't. I just. I don't believe in the Cubs. I don't know why. Like, there's nothing. I have no no number I can point to. No, like that's not based on any kind of statistical or any kind of. I just. I just don't feel the Cubs, man. They just feel so do you, inconsistent. To me. Do you at all want to see a rematch, Cubs Indians? No, not okay. at all. No. I, I have no... I, That's still I just probably my favorite World Series I've ever watched. The other thing is, I don't find this Cubs team interesting at all, with the exception of you, Darvish. Like, we, we've mm. seen everyone on the Cubs team so many times. I just, I want to see something new and interesting and different. Which is why the Padres are, you know... I'm glad we're going to get the Padres and the White Sox and the Blue Jays and maybe, who knows, maybe even the Marlins. Maybe I'll even be glad to see the Marlins. We're going to get some different teams in there, so it's not just... That's why I said that Braves-Cardinals series would be terminally bad. We've seen these guys already. There's nothing interesting there. Braves have a terrible rotation. The Cardinals are just boring. They're just they're just the Cardinals, always. They're just... No one cares, except for the people of St. Louis. No one cares. No one needs to see the Cardinals in, in, the, in the postseason anymore. We need to give the Cardinals like a five-year ban for being in the playoffs. Let more interesting teams be in the playoffs. The Cardinals are just boring as shit. Dear God. Oh, my God. Leach, no longer a friend of the pod, apparently. Ugh, but, like, who, who would be against it except for Cardinals fan if you said the Cardinals are banned from the postseason for the next five years? Not because of anything they did, but just so other teams can be in the postseason. Hmm. That's a good point. Like, I, won't lie. I, I don't really care to see, like, the Rockies in the postseason either, you know? But give me, give me this Reds team instead. Yeah, they can't hit, but I'd much rather watch a, a Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, you know, top three of rotation for the postseason as opposed to, well, I like Jack Flaherty, but like, Wang Young Kim, you know, maybe Carlos Martinez. Like, no, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see the Cardinals anymore. They're done. We're, 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 we are, we, we are past needing the Cardinals in the playoffs at this point in, in society. <laughs> Well, they're, 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 we're, we're beyond, we're beyond, we're beyond that. You know, we don't need that anymore. No more Cardinals. 
I love this is becoming a trend for you. Last week we wrapped up with you just leaving your office on the Red Sox, and now just full on destruction with the Cardinals. I gotta get warmed up. I gotta get warmed up for it. That's why it always comes out right at the end. I got you. All right, John. Well, we will be back next week. Um, Season's the season is very close to over. It's fucking crazy to me. And the Cardinals only have seventy three more games to play. Uh, there are so <laughs> many Cardinals. That, that, I guess that is my thing. Where it's like I don't know that they're going to survive this. You know, this last stretch of whatever it is they, they have, have like left. Thirty three games in thirty days. Yeah, it's a lot of games. It's it it is too many games. But, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because they're you know they're not really there isn't really that much um, drama, I guess, in terms of like who's going to make it, I guess, except for maybe if the Yankees end up screwing it up and I guess maybe at the bottom of the NL, maybe, but you know, at this point you're just kind of, you're just waiting to see what the seating is going to be, which I actually like, I got to say, like, I don't know that I want this format going forward, especially the expanded part of it, but I do kind of like the NBA-ness of the, of the seating as opposed to the division um, matchups. Because at least the seeding can, like, at least these teams are, like, the AL, you know, two through seven, well, depending, obviously, on the division, only a couple games separating a lot of these teams. These, these, these seedings can change, you know? And I like that. I like that there might be some, some fluctuation. I like that we might get some different looks as opposed to the same AL East or top, you know, most wins versus wild card than the other two. Like, I can be kind of boring, like, this this is, I guess, probably a bigger thing. Like, get rid of the expanded playoff format, but also get rid of division. Just the, the top, the top six teams or whatever make it. That's it. Enough of the, enough of the division stuff. I don't. That will also probably make it so the Cardinals just disappear forever too. <laughs> Let we need a cardinal. We need a Cardinals proof the postseason. <laughs> John Taylor, always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Yep. Hi, this is Chuck Dowdle of Bulldogs Roundtable, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Be sure to check out Chase's website at chasethomaspodcast.com and follow the Stone Mountain Native on Twitter and Facebook and listen to my show, Bulldog Roundtable, every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 9.30 on 680 The Fan. Have a great Bulldog Day, everybody. All right, we're back. The NFL is actually happening tomorrow. We are actually getting the start of Deshaun Watson proving Evan Sowards wrong yet again out there in Los Angeles. Evan, good afternoon. How are you? I am well. I am well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling good about my Houston Texans. You'll be happy to know. I drafted Deshaun Watson. Did you? Yeah, he's my quarterback. All that shit talking about Deshaun Watson and how much you don't believe in him and how much you don't believe in what he can do without DeAndre. First off, (laughs) we're not starting the podcast with you putting words in my mouth. My issue was never with Deshaun Watson. My issue is with the talent surrounding him. I still think he'll put up fantasy points, but, I mean, so did Joe Flacco, you know? I'm saying, like, Trevor Simeon has put up fantasy points before. That does not make them, you know a winning QB. Where is Trevor Simeon now? 
I believe he is on the Titans, I think. Okay. Back up. Shout out to him. Keep getting those checks. I mean, not really. You know, not shout out to him. <laughs> that guy's had a job for years, and Colin Kaepernick can't get a workout. That is That's true. Bigger. Yeah, Either here nor there. Um, I guess shout out to his agent. I don't shout know. out to his agent. Um, who I believe shared an agent with Kirk Cousins, and that's like why they were uh, together in Minnesota last year. Um, good stuff there. <sighs> a lot of contract extensions this week. DeAndre Hopkins got paid in Arizona. A lot of money. Highest of any non-quarterback ever. Jalen Ramsey just got paid. Do you like both deals for both teams? Let's say this. I got a lot of flack this morning from Eric Crocker, uh, who, you know, who we've talked about before. Eric Crocker's got a, you know, great follow on Twitter. Crocker Report is his website. Used to be a DB uh, on the Rex Ryan, Antonio Cromartie, Darrell Rivas uh, Jets. Um, so, you know, uh, I said this morning when I read the contract details for Jalen Ramsey, I said no DB should be paid that. Now, I had just woken up like maybe two minutes before, and I think what I was trying to say was within the situation of the Rams and what the Rams are doing and everything that's going on there, no DB should be getting paid that kind of money. Um, so I don't have an issue with Jalen Ramsey, the Jalen Ramsey football player, getting that contract. He is one of the best uh, defensive backs of our time already. Still pretty young. Uh, my issue is... Uh, and is, this is not an issue. I'm a 49ers fan. The Rams are in the division. It's not. A, I'm not. It's not nothing. I'm complaining about. But I think when you look at it from a team perspective and take the 49ers fan hat off, you're a team that literally is still in the process of paying Todd Gurley with a ridiculous contract that you paid him, of paying Jared Goff, a middling quarterback who really just can't get it done, and now you want to go out. And sign another hundred plus million dollars. So I don't know what the actual numbers are, but I think between Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, Aaron Donald, um, and now Jalen Ramsey and a couple other players, it's like five players is the, basically ninety percent of their cap or some stupid shit like that. So I don't have a problem with Ramsey getting that money, but my God, the Rams are just phoning it in i don't know what they think they're gonna do the next two or three years i don't I mean do they even have a first round draft pick next year i don't think so yeah i don't know i i guess these are those kind of deals where you just have to do it once you make this kind of trade and once you do you go down this this path you can't go like it's it's the jamal adams effect where, like, every team is just going to do this now. I think every team is just going to be like, do we have a young superstar that uh, might get unhappy and go to Twitter? Okay, guess what? Paying you now. Like, I yeah, think I mean, just the new thing. Jamal Adams I like better mm. in terms of that, of that signing. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks have done everything that they've done for a long time, um, you know, with having at least one expensive contract on their team or two, you know, paying a safety. I, I still think it's funny that they never paid Earl Thomas that money, but they were willing to pay Jamal Adams. Obviously Jamal Adams was younger without the injury. Um, Speaking but you know, of, I, still out there. Earl Thomas is just available. 
Yeah, I think he's going to sign with the Cowboys eventually, probably for vet minimum. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, I didn't even know he was a douchebag, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, did you know that? I didn't know he was a douchebag. I mean, he was a Seattle Seahawks, so I kind of thought he was a douchebag, but like not like getting kicked off of a winning team type of douchebag. Uh, all right, go ahead and cross Earl Thomas off of ever being on this podcast. Go ahead and uh, strike through there. First off, I'm not calling him a douchebag as a, like a personal opinion on the guy. I don't know him. But every report – I mean, it's not even a report. He got cut from a team, not because he's bad, but because he sucks. And not like as a player, but like as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not – he's still good. You know, he missed a couple – he blew a couple coverage calls and things like that. And one of them being in practice. Uh, but I mean, you know, why do I have to keep rambling? Dude sucks. This, this is, is amazing. This is documented. Um, Ryan Shazier announces retirement from the NFL today. Um, not a surprise. One of the all-time worst injuries ever. But his story is a great one. Coming back and that guy. I hope he finds something else. I hope he can coach or I hope he can... I don't know. That guy, he was also just a monster and he was just so good. And to lose him and was was tough, obviously, for the Steelers. But he's come a long way. And it's still a heartbreaking story. But good to see that he's going out and he's getting better. And um, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, it's heartbreaking. You know what I'm saying? Like, these things don't happen happen often. And when it did, like, we were so, like, soaking up all the good news. It's like, oh, hey, okay, he can walk. Oh, he's working out. He's running. Like, you know, I feel like there was almost, like, a false sense of hope. And, like, maybe he could play again. But, I mean, I think that was never really a reality. It just sucks. You know, he seems like such a genuinely nice, happy guy. I'm really hoping the Steelers take care of him and, you know, obviously giving him maybe like some type of coaching position or something like that. If that's what he wants. Um, I would hate to see him just, you know, not be involved in, in, uh, football. Um, but you know, I think it's one of those things where you got to look at it glass half full. This is a situation where he might have not have ever been able to walk again. And he's walking, you know, up over to the computer to sit down and say, Hey, I'm going to retire from football. So all things all like, that's pretty awesome. Speaking of the Steelers, James Conner uh, has been confirmed by Mike Tomlin as their bell cow back this year. He missed six games last year. I don't understand this. When I saw this, I was like, I, A, why do you have a bell cow back in 2020? B, are we sure James Conner is that guy? Are we sure that this is a good strategy for this offense? Are we sure that this is not one of those weird things where they've got to get over this and that I don't know. I don't love their backfield. I really don't. They're like one of the few teams where I just look at like their options and I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't get this obsession here. Like they have Benny Snell, James Conner. They just have a bunch of guys who just like look for contact and average 2.3 yards per carry. They're really into that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think when we, saw the post Le'Veon Bell thing. I think, you know, really like James Conner kind of came in and he was like, oh, he's he's just as good. And look at him putting up the same numbers. And I think rea- the reality kind of set in a little bit that they had a really good offensive line last that year. And obviously, you know, a good 
uh, a lot of weapons, right? You know, obviously pre Antonio Brown and Juju and all these different things. It's like, yeah, you know, when you have a lot of weapons, you can kind of spread the ball around. It makes it easier. So now James Conner's sitting here where Juju's the number one, but he's not really a number one. And Deontay's the number two, but he's not really a number two. And, you know, they're all kind of just like trying to figure out where their role is, but none of them are really should be in the role that they're in. Um, and I, I, I just don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, not to bring up fantasy, but like I wouldn't draft James Conner in fantasy right now. Like that's nothing I would want to be anything to do with. Like he's going to be overdrafted to me. He's just not, he's not going to be getting Le'Veon Bell stats. He's not even going to get James Conner in his rookie year stats. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sold on the Steelers this year. Some bad news. Von Miller out for the year. Can we just see Bradley Chubb and Von Miller play together? Like, can we just see that? Like, apparently not. It's like seeing Brandon Roy and Lamarcus or Brandon Roy and Greg Oden play together. Like for the yeah. like seven games they played together, and they just torch shit up. It's the same type of shit. Like, I would love to see Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, two of the best pass rushers in the NFL, say that. It just it sucks. He's had a shitty year. Von Miller's had a really bad year. Yeah, it it does suck. You know, I think I I, I don't know. Does it affect how you see the Broncos? How much has this changed your opinion of the Broncos with Von Miller? Will they be okay? I don't think they'll be okay. I mean, you can't ever lose one of the best defensive players in the NFL and be okay, right? Um, But I do think as long as you have one of those guys, right? Like it's like the 49ers last year. It's not, you know, it's not like a one for one comparison, but you know, the 49ers didn't play as well without D Ford than as with him on the field, but they still managed, right? They still had a, 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 a good, you know, they have a, they had a, a good defense. So I still think the Broncos can have a good defense, but like for me, if you're the Broncos right now, like, I don't know. They seem Every Broncos fan and Broncos writer I know seems to think that like Drew Locke is just going to be the guy. And I don't know that. And I don't think we've seen that. So I think they're still in an entire transition year of trying to figure out if they even have the right quarterback. And, you know, Jerry Judy's amazing, but he's got to learn the offense. Cortland Sutton was supposed to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. But, like, is he ready to be a number one? Is he even going to be a number one with how good Judy is? Yeah. But I think it's um, a good problem to have. So I just, for me personally, like, I'm really curious to see where the Broncos are, like, week eight, rather than what they do the first eight weeks. I am very fascinated by the Broncos. I I think, I love their draft. I love what they're building. I'm interested to see what Shermer does with this group. I am, I'm very, very intrigued. A couple other notes. Leonard Fournette quoted, for first time, I have a quarterback. Leonard Fournette. Um, your problem in Jacksonville was not the quarterback. Your problem in Jacksonville was you were bad at football. And I don't think he was bad at football. He was bad. He is, he cannot catch. Like, he's just someone who he shouldn't be drafted early in the draft. Like he was a top five pick. He doesn't catch it out of the backfield. I remember listening to PFF at the time and just going through stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is just like, this is the wrong era. Like this dude is not not gonna be what you you really want. You don't want to draft your um who your Rex Burkhead at number three. You don't. You're not be- calling him fucking Rex Burkhead. You're not. You're not. You're not doing that. 
Rex Burkhead. What is he like seven inches tall and white? Doesn't even have enough testosterone to grow hair? Like, please. Look, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette sucks. Like, this whole thing. You can't say he sucks. You have to look at the reality of that team. Who on that team is thriving? DJ Jaylee, Other than Jalen Ramsey, who left. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, DJ Chark did well in consideration, but, like, I don't want to be a part of – I don't want to catch passes from Gardner Minshew. I want to hang out with him and have a beer with him, but I certainly don't want to catch passes from him. And I certainly don't want to run – I don't want to run behind that offensive line. Now, do the Bucs have a great offensive line? No, but, you know, Bruce Arians is a damn good offensive quarterback – or quarterback's coach, coach in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have a bunch of weapons. Leonard Fournette is not going to be the focal point of that offense. And while safeties back into coverage a little bit so that they can worry about Mike Evans and, you know, all of these different weapons that they have, uh, you know, even Gronk now, who's obviously back and Brady's dangerous, like Leonard Fournette's in a situation where they don't stack the box. Now, if they stack the box, He'll probably not, you know, he'll probably like average two to three yards per carry, maybe. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to spread the ball around. And when they spread the ball around, that's going to leave a lot of space. Tell me I'm wrong. I, I don't think he's going to be good. And I don't think he's going to be on this roster in a year. He was averaging 3.3 yards per carry two years ago. On the Jaguars! He's just not good. On the jet, ja- I'm so tired of people talking year. about people not being good while they're on bad teams. Do you know how hard it is to be successful at a skill position on a bad team with a bad offensive line and a bad coach and a bad offensive coordinator and a bad quarterback? I mean, Terry McLaurin put up monster numbers catching passes last year from Terry McLaurin is a very unique talent when Leonard Fournette is not Terry McLaurin but at the same time it doesn't mean that Leonard Fournette cannot find success now if you're saying he's not good enough to have been drafted at number three probably not but I I, I personally think that if Leonard Fournette would have been drafted at number two by the Niners and wasn't that Solomon Thomas year I want to say yeah yeah the Solomon Thomas year yeah if the Niners would have taken him, what do you think he would have done with Kyle Shanahan? Nothing. Oh, come on. You had Matt Breda. Bro, Matt Breda. <laughs> these are running backs that would have sold insurance if it wasn't for Kyle Shanahan. So don't tell me about Matt Breda. Speaking of, how is our guy uh, McKinnon? Is this the year? I will say this. Is that why Vegas has 49ers and the Saints given the best odds to win the NFC? A lot of Jarek McKinnon that, hype. I I drafted Jarek McKinnon in a late, 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 Did late. Did you really? Worthless pick. Like, you one just of my last can't picks. quit him. No, 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 no. Because I think that the Kyle Shanahan is the kind of guy that if he wants you on his team – and if he wants you to be a part of the offense, you're going to. 
Think about how C.J. Beathard is still on that fucking team. Think about how he drafted Joe Williams, who literally sucked, and then never <laughs> got another I mean, literally no team in the NFL even tried to put him on practice squad. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when Kyle has an idea in his head, he gets fixated on it. And Kyle has thought that Jarek McKinnon, for some reason, is this amazing tool to have in his offense for a very long time now. Jarek's supposed to be 100% healthy. Will he get injured again? Probably. But if he doesn't, Kyle's going to want to use him. And I don't think Raheem Mostert's going to get in the way of that. Raheem Mostert was on seven different NFL teams. Is he playing really well against on Kyle's offense? Absolutely. But could I probably average three yards of carry in Kyle's offense? Probably. Especially now that Trent Williams is in the, in the lineup. That's true. Last thing before we get into week one, as Howard says, um, Randy Gregory got a one-year extension in Dallas. Randy Gregory. You love to see it, folks. You just... I cannot wait to see what the Dallas Pass looks like this year. Like, just all kinds of, is that guy really there? Is that what's happening? Who else can we bring back? Who else can just get paid by Dallas because Dallas is like, hey, why not? Let's see what happens. Who's who's next? Does Vic Beasley get picked up here? Does he get snaps in Dallas on the edge? Do they give him a three-year extension immediately? I just... Randy Gregory is a piece of shit. Um, yep. And, you know, he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, he's like actually a piece of shit, whereas Alden Smith was just a dumbass. I think there's a big difference between being a piece of shit and being a dumbass. Um, and I just, you know, it, it's not surprising to the Cowboys, right? They don't believe in character flaws or character issues. They just believe in, hey, this guy can maybe help us. Um, you know, I don't really – I don't even know what to say about it. Like I just hope that the guy doesn't beat up any more women. If we can get – if that can happen, I don't care what he does on the Cowboys. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, are you ready for some football? I really am. <laughs> Finally. It is here tomorrow night, week one. 17 weeks, baby. Um. The Houston Texans on the road on NBC, 820 in Kansas City. Soward says. So there's two different worlds here, right? Mm. You know the you know those funny memes where it's like there's two wolves mm. on one. Yeah, so there's two wolves here. Um for me, personally, a guy who in his lifetime, you know. Uh, his favorite team has five five Super Bowl wins, but in his adult life, he's only seen two losses. I would love so much for the Texans to just come through and really, you know, beat down the Chiefs. But the other wolf realizes that that's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> Uh, the Chiefs are really good, and it seems to be that they got even better this year. They brought all of their players back. They re-signed Mahomes, Chris Jones, all of these things. Um, I don't know what I think about that running back. I think it's hilarious that everyone is just shooing this rookie who wasn't even considered one of the best running backs in the draft to be like – so like 
oh, he's a, a day one starter, like automatic start in fantasy football. Like I get the Chiefs have a good offense and all that, but like I don't know. Man. We'll see. We'll see. So I think the Chiefs win. I'm doing a backflip if the Texans win. What about you? I think the Chiefs win. I think this is high scoring. I think this is something we're already seeing in college football where tackling is just going to be atrocious this fall. And defenses are going to be worse than ever. And the teams with the best offenses are going to end up just trouncing everybody else. And I think the Chiefs drop a, a boatload of points on the Texans here. I think this is not a good week for the Texans. But... I do think they both put up a lot of points. I think Chiefs get up early, and I think the Texans come storming back in the second half. But it's a little too little too late situation. I think Houston loses, let's say, 45-31. I, hmm, 45-41? What? 45-31. Or yeah, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't think I would be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't very similar to the game last year, where the Texans put up a bunch of points early, and then the Chiefs end up just being the more talented, longer-lasting team. Mm. Um, we'll see. New York, the New York Jets on the road in Buffalo, one o'clock. <sighs> Stephon Diggs' debut in Buffalo. Josh Allen already gearing up to overthrow Stefan Diggs down the right side. Really excited for that first one today. Uh, excuse me on Sunday. Big game for the Jets. Big, big game for the Jets. Trying to, trying to instill some confidence here. Sam Darnold versus Josh Allen. Obviously, this rivalry is a thing. Give me, give me the Jets here. Jets are going to be fired up for this game. I... I am down on the Bills. I am down on the Buffalo Bills. I am down on year three of Josh Allen. I am up right now on Sam Darnold. I think the Jets deserve some love here, and I think they're going to win. I th- I would I would say I think to follow up with what you said, but the reality is, as I know that your hatred for Josh Allen is what's <laughs> leading this this push for you to imagine a world in which the Jets win. The Jets are going to be Hold one on, of the Bishop worst Perriman, teams in the breakout NFL. tour. It's happening. The only thing he's breaking out of <laughs> is his gloves when he Yeah, no, I'm not even. No. Do you no. know who's starting at receiver for them in this game? Honestly, Bishop dude, Perriman, Jameson Crowder and Chris Hogan. Yeah, they're those are the guys that you draft at the end of fantasy football that you're like, fuck, man, I, there's no one left. I guess I'll take Jamison Crowder. Frank uh, Warren will be at running back for which of these two? Watch teams? your goddamn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Frank Gore. He is timeless. Dude, Frank Gore, like, legitimately was better in camp than Le'Veon Bell. But well, Le'Veon what I will say is this. So the, the 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 Jets are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. Even though Sam Darnold might just be a competent QB or even better, um, but they have no weapons. I don't know what they're going to do with Bell, but I imagine they're going to overuse him and he'll get injured early. Um, I don't. I'm not really impressed with the Stefan Diggs signing or trade or whatever. Like if you thought Stefan Diggs hated having to deal with Kirk Cousins and 
all those quarterbacks perform, like, dude, wait till you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, who's basically just legs with like a, a you know, a jugs machine for an arm. I, I'm interested to see how Mackay Becton looks, and I'm interested to see the Bills' secondary is very good, and I'm interested to see the Levi Wallace of the Worlds, the Whites, and everybody else are just as dominant as they were a season ago. I'm interested to see if Denzel Mims gets some opportunities here because I did really like that pick, but I want to see what Mackay Becton does at left tackle. And if this offensive line is better with Becton and George Fant, then that's huge for Sam Darnold because he was really bad under pressure last year. So. We shall see. I think this will be an ugly game, but give me the Jets 16 to 7. Jets 16 to 7. You think the Bills are going to only score seven points against the Jets? Jets defense is good. Can you write this stuff down so I can make fun of you next week? You should write this down. This is is how it says. No way, dude. The Bills are going to win like 27 to fucking 10. Okay. So it's we gonna, disagree. The Jets are not good. Just because you liked Mackay Becton coming out of the <laughs> NFL draft doesn't mean that he'll be – he's big, but he can't block for the whole line. No, the Jets aren't going to be good this year. Yeah, not at all. Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur, the latest in a long line of Shanahan disciples who like average white quarterbacks on the road in Minnesota where Minnesota just has compiled all the defensive ends. I believe I've checked my notes here. They have all of them now. Soward says this is going to be such a weird game because none of neither of these teams give me any type of confidence as a 49ers fan. I watched the Packers get absolutely shit stomped multiple times um so i'm kind of wondering if aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time and at one point considered to be one of the greatest quarterbacks maybe ever like you just had some young kid come in and get drafted before you who's mobile and better looking and probably cooler like is this going to be enough to light a fire under your ass but at the same time who are the Packers' receivers? They drafted no receivers in the NFL draft this year. Last year, Alan Lazard, uh, the guy with three names and a hyphen. None of these guys are memorable. I mean, I just Aaron Jones seems to be a competent running back, and then they brought in like other running backs to take the ball away from him, and they never really wanted to give him the ball the year before. And then the other side of the ball is Kirk Cousins. You know, I think the most exciting thing about Kirk Cousins' team is probably what? Justin Jefferson, the rookie from LSU? No, no. Dalvin Cook is their most exciting aspect because Dalvin well, Cook is a legitimate I'm saying, player. When he's... I'm not talking about like most exciting as a person. I'm saying like what are you most excited to watch week one? Like I'm most excited to watch this Probably <sighs> most excited in this matchup. Probably, honestly, Bakhtiari versus Hunter and Yannick and Gakwe and how they how they handle that because I want to see if Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of pressure thrown at him early and often. I want to see what Ngakwe and Hunter look like on the edge for Minnesota. That in this game, I'm very excited to excited to see. Yeah, I'm also excited to see how the Smiths take on Riley Reef. Riley Reef is their starting left tackle, and Brian O'Neill was not Reed. good last year. 
I Bradbury has struggled. Like I'm interested to see what this offensive line looks like. Um, I, I don't. I think this offense takes a step back. I really do. Like right now, OBC Johnson is one of their starting receivers. Like I, I don't. You talk about the Packers' lack of depth. Like suddenly the Vikings don't have a lot of depth at receiver either. And I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a huge, huge part of this team this year. And if he's not healthy, I think they they're going to have some problems. But I like the Vikings at home here in Week One. Give me Vikings twenty eight twenty four. I would say I agree with that. Um, I don't know if I think there'll be that many points, but I, I do think it's going to be a close game, and I do think the Vikings win. Um, but once again, like, dude. If the Packers lose week one, like it might be a dark, dark year for for the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers. Like, like do, you're just, do you like, think you're just wishing for this just to get Aaron Rodgers no, to I'm not. go faster than I'm you not. Like. I swear to God, I'm not. I don't understand anything LaFleur did this year. I cannot understand having Aaron Rodgers. He's not old. Well, hold on. Have you He's seen AJ Dillon's thighs? I'm just saying – I do not understand how you can have one of the deepest wide receiver drafts that we've seen in the last decade, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and you don't give him any fucking weapons. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm so confused. And to be honest with you, yeah, hey, it might be kind of cool – uh, if Aaron Rodgers becomes a 49er, because God knows, I think Shanahan could absolutely get a ring or two out of him. Um, I think he's too good for Shanahan. He's not too good for Shanahan. Shanahan's the best fucking well, coach. Well, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying he's too good. Where, like, I think Shanahan has the obsession with, like, mediocrity at quarterback. Like, I don't think he actually wants an elite quarterback. I wouldn't. I would disagree. I think what he did with Matt Ryan probably made him very excited. I think he wants that again. I don't know. The fact that all these dudes, LaFleur, Shanahan, love the Kirk Cousins in the world, I just think they like guys who just know their playbook 1,000% and know every single thing that they're thinking. And but let me just say this, though. Patrick Mahomes probably has one of the smallest egos in the NFL. Does he? He's also – I think so. Okay. I mean, Patrick Mahomes very much so seems to be have bought into Andy Reid's offense – He's a yes man. He's a what can I do for the team kind of guy. Did he buy you know into that I'm, offense or did they buy into Patrick Mahomes' offense? I'm, dude, the offense is almost identical with, with what Alex Smith was running. Patrick Mahomes is just better. Okay. I mean, they were throwing the same same passes to the same receivers. It's just Patrick Mahomes is just better. Um, but my, but that's what I'm saying. Still like, out on that. So I don't think that they like medi- mediocrity, and I don't think that that exists. The one thing I will agree with is I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy that would just be like, okay, let's do what you want. But honestly, if some rookie coach comes in and kicks your ass out of the fucking city that loves you and you want an NFL championship for, for a guy named Jordan Love who wasn't even really that highly touted, like you might have to have like a, a you know – like a come to Jesus meeting with yourself. Like you might have to like really think about what you're doing and if it's working because I could never imagine being considered the best of something and having someone that is nobody come in and just kick me out of my job. Wouldn't that be wild? 
It would be. But unfortunately, I'm the best in the world at what I do. So I don't think this will be this will be a thing for me. Yeah. You're not kicking me out of my own fucking podcast. Absolutely not. My well, name that's because all- you do it out of your house. So like, <laughs> it was like they're like, we're gonna we're gonna switch switch moves here, and you're like, uh, can I keep my stuff? They're like, no, we're taking it. Sorry. Dark times. Um, Washington, who apparently is 100 percent doing this season without a mascot, the Washington Football Team, at home against the Philadelphia Eagles at one o'clock. Um, this is my lock of the week. Uh, the Eagles are winning this football game. Sour I, uh, oh, I am very, very much, very much agreeing with you. There is nothing that will make me root for the Redskins. Uh, I will not take the Redskins to win this year. I mean, it, they'll ha- they'll well, win. Long- they're Washington. They're just the footballs. Excuse me, the Washington football team, force of habit, because I don't think about this team ever. Uh, yeah, but I, they'll win long before I choose them to win. There's just – I like Terry McLaurin. He is on my fantasy team, not to keep bringing up fantasy football. Um, but, you know, yeah, man, sucks to suck. Not that excited about the Eagles either. Jalen Hurts, QB1. Um, Baltimore at home. One o'clock against the Cleveland Browns. Sneaky great game. A lot of good one o'clock matchups this week. Um, this is going to be fascinating. The Browns have a lot to prove. We got some unfortunate news out of Cleveland on OBJ's private life. We got I don't believe to- <laughs> it, but but well, yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, I don't know where to go with this. I've gone back and forth because it would not surprise me if we got an upset, but then again, it's like, right, do we really think do we really think they're going to be able to put up enough to run with the Ravens in week one? And I can't do it. Give me Ravens 35-17. I got to say, the Browns are a very confusing team right now, and I think they're really trying to see what – what type of year they're about to have and if they can kind of take that next step to like compete in the playoffs really sucks. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like, it's just really, I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge the, the OBJ slander. I refuse. I doubt it's true. That's neither here nor there. Um, but if you're the Browns, what a trash position to be in when you're trying to figure out what you're actually capable of and you have to play the Ravens um, who are, you know, arguably the best team last year in the NFL. I mean, obviously they won the most games. Um, so I'll say this, it's a good test for the Browns, but I'm not picking them to win. Same. So we agree there. We have only disagreed on one so far. I like it. Um, the Jaguars at home against the Indianapolis Colts at 1 o'clock. I think we're going to disagree here. Give me the Jaguars. 17 <laughs> to 10. Oh, Phil God. Rivers in the heat. You don't walk into uh Did you Jack's say Phil Beach. Rivers in the heat? Yeah. He's from San Diego, bro. <laughs> what are you talking about? They, it's always hot. Do you it's know not gonna like be hot humid. Do you know who's going to be hot? It's a different kind of hot. San Diego hot. Nothing like Jacksonville hot. Dude. Um... Gardner Minshew, week one, give me all of the Jaguars' bets. The Jaguars are winning this game, and it might be my second lock of the week. The Jaguars are beating the Colts. Okay, so I'll bet you, you, and whoever loses has to shock on a White Claw on camera. Okay. I'll 
I'll bet you the Colts win. All right. Fair. Fair. I like it. That's our White Claw Lock of the Week. Hey, you know, they might be a sponsor <laughs> well, at some point. I'll have to reach out to my homies. I mean, honestly, if they want to be, if they want to sponsor our weekly podcast, White Claw, come on down. The white That should be our thing, is like whoever gets our White Claw Lock of the Week wrong has to shotgun a White Claw on camera. Well, we're, we're going to do that no matter what. We'll just make that a thing. Yeah. Um, one o'clock, the worst game of the week, and it's not even close. There, I don't think their fan bases will want to watch this game. Carolina at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. I I can't think of a more boring matchup than Teddy Bridgewater versus Derek Carr. I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I'm excited to watch this game for him. He's got a lot of good weapons. Um, but yeah, the Raiders. Not excited for the Raiders. Nothing about the Raiders is exciting to me this year. Lost Tyrell Williams again for the season, which sucks. But he was never. I mean, that guy should good never, when he's healthy. He's just never healthy. He's a good number two option. Yeah. And you know who's a good number two option? Henry Ruggs. He's not a good number one option. Sorry. So, I think Henry Ruggs is going to have a very, very hard time in the beginning of the year because. They don't have a lot of other options. Josh Jacobs, they're going to stack the box, and they're just going to put two safeties out back. This we'll is a see. must win for the Raiders, I think. <laughs> must win week one. That sucks. This fan base is already antsy, I think, with what happened last year. They're antsy. Like they, they don't even have a fan base right now. They're, like, in between. No, you have both. You have Vegas and um, and Oakland still. I, I, I think the Raiders fan base is still pretty strong. Um, I just... The Panthers are being projected as like the worst team in the NFC, and if you open with a loss against this offensive line in Carolina, which is just awful, and you can't get pressure with Killian Farrell and friends, and the secondary is not improved, and Teddy Bridgewater just passes all over him, and Henry Ruggs does not take the top off the defense at least once in this game, Darren Waller maybe looks like a little bit of a one-year wonder. Jason Witten gets like more snaps than Waller or something. Like There's all kinds of angst going into this game. I think the the Raiders really, really need this one. It, this is not what you want to do if you're trying to sell their, your team, that you're, your fan base, that you're moving in the right direction. Give me the Raiders just because they have to. I mean... Uh, this is must-win, man. I don't know if it's must-win because I think halfway through the season you're going to see Marcus Mariota. Isn't he already on IR? Uh, yeah, what is that, like six weeks, though? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, it's really wild, right? Like, it's pretty insane that Derek Carr legitimately at one point played good football. And I don't think anyone really thinks he's going to be doing that anytime soon. Uh, so... Do it. Yeah, pick the I, Panthers. You want to do it. I'm going to pick the Panthers, but only because I legitimately believe that Teddy Bridgewater is a very good quarterback, and I just think he's been in shitty situations. He played well with the Vikings, and then he got tore up. You know, he obviously played well in New Orleans. Um, so I think he's healthy. I think his knee's healthy. I think he's got good weapons. I'm excited for him. One o'clock. Detroit hosting. The Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky officially named their quarterback week one by Matt Detroit Knight. Lions, next question. Oh, no. 
Oh, no. Do we get a full Mitch game, or does Nick Foles make an appearance? Oh, no, we'll get a full Mitch game. We'll probably get six or seven Mitch games because there's way too many. Um, but, like, Mitch Trubisky sucks. Nick Foles sucks. <laughs> These are bad quarterbacks. And you know what? The one thing I will say is at least Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. You know, at least you've seen him play clutch. To pick Mitch Trubisky in this situation when you sign Nick Foles, like, you obviously start Nick Foles and say, fuck you, Mitch. You should have played better. Let's see what you can do. You want you want the position? Well, it's not yours. We'll see what happens. And you get him to earn it. But they didn't do that because they want to protect their little draft pick that they don't want to hurt his feelings. Mitch Trubisky sucks. Nick Foles sucks, but he sucks less. I think the Bears went here. I think they're... I think it's the Lions team. I, I I cannot believe they're running back room right now. DeAndre Swift is the fourth running back on their depth chart right now. I well, that's because he's Peterson's going to get carries in this game. I don't know about this offense right now. Do you uh, think he's actually going to get carries? Yes. Um, I'm concerned about this group. I I don't. A lot of people are talking themselves in the Lions. I can't do it, and I think the Bears. I don't think this is a great year for them. I think the wheels come off in a lot of ways, but I don't think it happens here on the road in Detroit to open. Give me Bears 20 to twenty to 17, something like that. Um, next up, game of the week. Game of the fucking week. The Atlanta Falcons at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Some people call them That's the Seattle That's the game Seahawks. of the week? Yeah. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Falcons. Um, what are you? You you don't even talk about the Falcons. Like you, you talk about the all of these other teams. You talk about the Texans. Talk about all these. Like, what is there to say? They're the best team in football. What do you think is going to happen this week? As a guy who passionately hates ev, like I, there was a time where I wouldn't even drink Starbucks because I fucking hate the Seahawks so much. <laughs> so, like, tell me why the tell me convince me that the Falcons are going to win. I need it. Um, I don't believe in Seahawks playing from behind. I don't believe in their obsession with establishing the run on first and second down. I don't believe in what they're still doing with Russell Wilson, keeping the training wheels on in your whatever it is. Brian Schottenheimer is just a really bad offensive coordinator. And what they're doing there is just very, very stupid. But the Falcons are going to pass early. They are going to pass often. I am curious what the Seahawks pass rush looks like here because guess what? There's a lot riding on the Falcons offensive line and their two first round picks from last year with McGarity and Lindstrom. I think the Falcons at home to kick off this season, the new uniforms, the new uniforms, I think they're going to be good. I don't trust the Seattle offensive line back to back years. I am curious how Grady Jarrett plays here. I want to see if AJ Terrell, um, gets the nod <laughs> defending D- dk metcalf that that would be interesting um i don't know i think the falcons are gonna score a lot of points until the injuries really start piling up i think the falcons are actually gonna start off pretty hot this is do or die time if i don't believe in the falcons right now then guess what quinn and everybody else is fired and um they're gonna be hanging up for this game because do you remember when they beat the eagles last year in week what three on sunday night football yes the falcons are like early on before the injury start and the offense is all healthy, like this offense is a freight train and I'm excited to see what Hayden Hurst looks like when he gets split out wide. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think the 
Falcons win something like 38 to 27. I I don't think the Seahawks got better this year, but I thought they were pretty decent last year considering. Um, well, I mean, I think Jamal Adams is damn good, so I think they did get better. But, I mean, like, outside of Jamal Adams, nothing really, like, no big moves, right? Their offensive line is still over, you know, like, they're really, like, playing up, right? They're not, like, the offensive line isn't that good, but for whatever reason, you know, they've been playing better as a team. Um, So we'll see. I'm curious to see what another year of Russell Wilson, you know, carrying the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, victory after victory is going to look like like you know does he keep doing it is he going to see a Rodgers decline anytime soon probably not but you know once again um, the Seahawks are going to be a pain in the 49ers ass all year I'm sure just like they were last year Um, I'm glad they're playing a really good you know or at least a decent team in the Falcons uh, week one you know the idea of them losing the first week is great considering the Niners are going to steamroll the Cardinals um, but I don't know if I can bet against them. I think I'm still going to take the Seahawks to win. One o'clock, New England at home. Game one of the Cam Newton experience against the Miami Dolphins, where Ryan Fitzpatrick will start early on this season. Um, a lot of QB shuffling in both of these, uh, both these teams. Give me. This is like, I was very close to giving lock of the week to this one over um, the Eagles, but I just can't not, I can't do that. That would just be malpractice. Uh, Cam and this Patriots team, I'm very high on. I think they're going to win the AFC this year. I think this is going to be a lot like when. Did you just say they're going to win the AFC? Yes. What is wrong with you, dude? I mean, I've even if Cam MVP, Newton, I think even if Cam played amazing, how are they going to beat out the Ravens and the Chiefs. I don't think both the Ravens and the Chiefs are going to have the exact same years. Football doesn't work like that. The, the, a lot of teams get cycled in and out. Like we see six new teams in the playoffs every year. I think there's going to be more turnover. I think the you, Chiefs defense might not be as good as it was last year. They got lucky. Um, we'll see. Defense is not sustainable in the NFL. Most defenses fall off a little bit. I don't think their defense is going to be as good as it was a year ago. And I think they're going to be, that's going to be a liability. Ladies and gentlemen, he says, uh, they don't, teams don't always repeat. The NFL doesn't work that way. But you know what? The NFL does work uh, when they lose, when a team loses the best quarterback of all time and they're replaced with a guy who's been injured for a year, who's mm-hmm. learning a brand, one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. He was 5-1 and and before he got injured. He was the be- like he was a top. I didn't, I'm not MVP. talking about what I'm t- he got. He got injured, right? He has not played. But I am betting a long on him time. being healthy. And Keel Harry is not that good. Julian Edelman's getting old. These running backs aren't good. The None of these position the players are winning. Dude, you're shotgunning a whole case of, <laughs> and that doesn't happen. Just as punishment. It's time to bet on Cam. I am so excited for him, and I'm excited for what he's going to do there. And for the first time in my life, the Patriots are going to be likable. Um, this is going to be fun, and uh, I think they're going to beat the living shit out of the out of the Chan Gailey led Miami Dolphins in Week One. I will say this: I think the Patriots are going to destroy the Dolphins. I really do. 
but I do think it's not going to be – I wouldn't even say destroyed. They're going to win for sure. But there, there's a lot of training wheels that are going to be happening week one. Bill Belichick is not just going to give Cam Newton the offense and be like, go have fun. So they're going to be working on a lot of things. They're going to be trying a lot of things, and it's going to be slow rolling. I think they still win because it's the fucking Dolphins and it's Bill Belichick. Um, but man, they they got a lot of lot of stuff they got to figure out. A game no one will be watching at four o'clock on Sunday: the Los Angeles Chargers led by Tyrod Taylor going into Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's debut. Well, it's nice to see. It's nice to see that the best quarterback in the NFL draft uh, finally suit up. But the problem is, is he's not going to start. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. Um, Yeah. But once Justin Herbert actually plays, I'll be more interested in the, the chargers shouldn't take long. Um, But yeah, what do you lose this? Give me the Bengals week one. Bengals want to know with Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow lights this team up. I think not having Derwin James is going to really hurt them. I'm interested to see, obviously, I'm really into the offensive line matchups, like Ingram and Bosa versus the Bengals' bad offensive line from a year ago. I want to see what uh, Jonah Williams looks like starting at left tackle um, after a year lost last year, because he's basically a rookie now. Um, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see um, what Burrow does with these new toys. I, I just... I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I don't think Tyrod in this Chargers group is going to be able to to match it. So give me Burrow getting an opening week win against the Chargers at home. There's a reason why the Cincinnati Bengals had the number one pick in the NFL. There's absolutely no way I'm picking them to win. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm excited for Joe Burrow. I think he he is the true embodiment of what you want in your prototypical, uh, you know, he, you know, number one pick you know, quarterback, franchise-changing quarterback, right? He's got the attitude. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm. Uh, he's got, you know, he's the personality for sure. Um, someone asked him what is what is the biggest hit he's ever taken was, and he goes, I'm not going to I'm not gonna give them the benefit of, uh, you know, like he's like, I'm not going to let them enjoy. I'm not going to say that out loud. Um, I think he's got the right attitude. He'll be fun to watch. Um, but at the end of the day, the Bengals had the worst team in the NFL last year for a fucking reason, and there's – I'm just not going to give it to them. Um, the Chargers win, but it's like you said, no one's watching this game. Uh, it's going to be a very boring game. So, you know, the entire state of Ohio is going to watch this game, but like that's like 12 people, so not a big deal. Yikes. San Francisco, a team you might be a little familiar with. Maybe the second biggest game of the week behind the Falcons, Seahawks. At home. Against the Arizona Cardinals at 425 Eastern Time. Soward says. I'm very excited for this game, if you can't tell. But the reason why I'm very excited is because the Arizona Cardinals selected Kyler Murray with the number one pick in the NFL draft, thus giving us the best player the NFL has seen come out of the draft probably in the last five, maybe ten years. Nick Bosa is going to be the best defensive player in the NFL this year. Kyler Murray's going to be good. He'll be okay. Uh, he has so much hype. There's so much hype with, you know, Hopkins coming and obviously signing a brand new contract. Um, shout out to him for doing it himself. 
Um, you know, the, the, the Cardinals will be fun to watch. They'll score points. But the difference in, in skill level and quality of team is so huge here. And coaching. Last year, it was very obvious, uh, you know, especially with Quan Alexander gone some of the games. Teams that like the Cardinals that had a fast, you know, Russell Wilson-esque quarterback were the most successful against the 49ers defense. Uh, the Niners have now added, um, you know, Javon Kinlaw. They brought a lot of people back. DJ Jones, who will be healthy, uh, who is really like positioning himself. I uh, was at five technique. Um, I think the 49ers are going to absolutely destroy this team. I think Cliff Kingsbury is like, okay. He's a good coach. A lot. He's doing a lot better than people thought in the beginning. Um, but man, the 49ers are going to probably win by 20. Hmm. Everyone, everyone has talked shit about Jimmy Garoppolo. Every single person, every power ranking, every list, every analyst. I don't think everyone has. Yeah, well, you know, me and her, shout out. That's my homie. Uh, Y'all have a very strong Jimmy Garoppolo connection. But Jimmy, with great here, very solid numbers with constantly changing wide receivers uh, a constantly changing offensive line that saw uh, their center their right guard their left tackle their left guard i mean they had more rotations on that offensive line and joe staley obviously like coming towards the end of his career than any nfl team and they still made it work now they bring in the best left tackle in the nfl who is perfectly made for the kyle shanahan offense Jimmy's going to thrive this game. I think Jimmy throws for over 300 yards. I think Jimmy throws for maybe three touchdowns. I think he's going to go nuts. I don't know that Jimmy's the kind of guy that's spiteful. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to want to go out and do really well because people are talking shit about him. But I do think he's the kind of guy that's going to be extremely prepared. And he's got a lot of new weapons. And he's going to be very excited. And this is a personal thing. But it seems to be that Dante Pettis might have figured his shit out. Uh, all the things that we've talked about, right? Like, I think we're seem- responsible for this, by the way. I, you know, I, I, I have, I am very well documented running the Dante Pettis fan club. Um, I, I hope this new attitude is a real thing because if Dante Pettis actually gives us what people thought he was going to give us as a number, as a second round pick, you know, if Brandon Ayuk who seems to be tailor-made for this offense is as good as Kyle Shanahan thought he was going to be. And it looks like Debo's going to be playing week one. And if he's playing healthy, I just think you're going to see a team that has been told all year that their quarterback's not good enough and they're not going to go anywhere near as far. Some people are saying nine wins. Some people are saying the Seahawks are going to win the division. Some people are saying Jimmy Garoppolo's not even good, let alone good enough. I think it's just pulling back the the rubber band and you're just pulling and pulling and we're going to see it let go week one. And man, I feel bad for the Cardinals for having to be the first team to play them. I like it. Next up. The New Orleans Saints. 
Another banger. 425. I hate that these are at the same time. I really hate that they're at the same time. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, game one of Tampa Tom on the road in New Orleans, 425. <sighs> Kamara, it looks like the contract stuff's going to be ironed out before then. I, I, you know what's crazy? I was thinking about this game a lot this week. When the clowny stuff was ramping up with New Orleans and they were really trying to get creative with a trade, sign some sort of sign and trade and get around like cap restrictions and did not uh, complete that. But it does seem like Clowney wanted New Orleans. And if you got him and Jordan and you had that pass rush in this game and you were able to figure out the Kamara stuff, like whew, I would love to see what uh, Mr. Wilkes looks like against Clowney um, or Jordan across from him. Like I am terrified of this Bucks offensive line. I still don't think it's good. I still think it, this is going to be the most interesting part of the NFL season is what this offensive line does for Tom. Dante Scarmecchia is not walking through that door. I don't know what happens here. I'm excited. I'm very excited to see what happens. I am not in on the Bucks. I am not in on this going well. I am not in on any of this. I had the Bucks finishing last in the NFC South. I think this is going to be a very bad wake-up call for Tampa Bay and for just the rest of the league where you're like, oh, right, Drew Brees and this New Orleans team is unbelievably put together and they have skilled position talent everywhere. And Mike Thomas is going to go off. Drew Brees is just going to dissect this defense and they are going to win big and comfortably. Give me the Saints at home 34-10. to I don't think Tom Brady is going to score only 10 points, but I do think the Saints are going to win here. Um, This Tom Brady experiment is a lot of hype. I don't know how much is going to follow. I'm never going to really count Tom Brady out, especially when this is the best weapons he's had probably ever. I think. Can we say ever? Even with Randy Moss? I think we can say ever. I, 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 I think the Randy Moss group is still better. I don't know, man. I don't know. Bucks are good. Um, so with that said, I think they'll score points, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's hard. Carson Palmer and the, in the Cardinals with Bruce Arians, they, they didn't start slow, right? So it all depends on Brady, but yeah, I think the Saints are going to win this. I'm excited for it. And, uh, I'm sorry, but it's going to get more of my attention than 49ers Cardinals. Sorry, buddy. That's fair. Sunday night, the Los Angeles Rams open their new stadium at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Game one of the Mike McCarthy era. Suddenly a lot of pressure on, I think, Sean McVay this year. Down year last year, Cooper Cup's healthy. This is tough. I've gone back and forth on this. Sowards, what do you say? I I mean this is a tough one because I don't think the Rams are going to be as bad as they've been right they got rid of Gurley not that that's a good thing but I think once you understand that Gurley couldn't do what he used to be able to do now they don't have to like force it um I think it's going to – I mean like the matchup predictor is literally 49.7% to 49.9. Like it's dead even. So 
I agree that it's going to be probably two teams playing very similarly. It just depends on if the Rams can score points any semblance of way in which they used to. Uh, I don't think Dak Prescott is that good, especially not deserving of the contract. I think there's a reason. Uh, but at the same time, CeeDee Lamb was my favorite uh, you know, receiver in the draft. Obviously, he's everyone's. Um, Amari Cooper's damn good. I think he's going to be even better uh, with CeeDee Lamb. And Michael Gallup. Is Michael Gallup the best wide receiver three in the NFL? Probably. So I'm excited to watch the Cowboys and the Rams from an offensive standpoint, but the Cowboys did just lose one of their best offensive linemen. So I don't know. I hate picking the Cowboys ever, but I think I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win. Uh, I think I'm going to have to wait to see Jared Goff actually win some games before I can pick him to win. Uh, So I'm going to take the Cowboys. I am too. I think this is going to be very close. I think this is going to be interesting. I want to see Jalen Ramsey versus um, Amari Cooper. Very excited for this matchup and what Aaron Donald can do against this Cowboys offensive line. That might be a little leaky, but still giving the Cowboys here. Monday night, doubleheader. Steelers on the road in New York. How did ESPN get these two Monday night football games? Just I don't know. Uh, to start off like this, just, just terrible. Um, because for whatever reason, they still think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to do anything, which he's not. Both of these games are just going to be ugly. I, I don't. Just not, not, not an. The Cowboys Rams game will be fun. That'll be a fun. No, game that's Sunday win. night. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, Monday night is Giants Steelers, and then the late game is Denver at home against Tennessee. So I will say this. I want the Giants to win because I just don't like the Steelers. Still better that they have six rings compared to the Niners five. Um, but I just – I'm not in on Daniel Jones. I'm not in on the receivers, Sterling Shepard. I'm not in on Eric Ebron. You know, they're good but not great. They're not very exciting. Um, I just – I yeah, I don't know, man. This is like – to me, this is like the the game I never want to bet on because I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger, but I also don't trust Daniel Jones. So it's like you I don't have confidence betting on any of those – either of those teams. But at the end of the day, um, if I have to pick – I don't know, man. That's – Can I just – Give me the Steelers – on the yeah, road. Can I, have you, I want to hear what you say. Give me the Steelers on the road. I still believe that Joe Judge will not be the coach by next season, and we are getting um, the Clapper installed as head coach within the year. Um, this is going to go badly, but I do think this will be fun, and I do think the Giants' offense will be, will be better. I'm a little bit higher in their skill position, guys, than you are. Um, I'm very – let me just say this. I'm very excited to see what Andrew Thomas does. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited and to watch say, what he say can do. And healthy is, is fun. Um, That's part of the reason. Give me the Steelers here. Low scoring, ugly, 20 to 10. And then on the road, Tennessee, not a great opener for them. No respect for them. Give me the Broncos at home 
I don't. I'm. I'm not buying the back-to-back play-action assassin Ryan Tannehill. I'm not. Give me the Broncos at home. Drew Lock prime time. Give me Drew Lock. Uh, the Titans are going to win that game. <laughs> the Titans are absolutely going to win that game. The Titans just got Jadavian Clowney. The Broncos just lost Von Miller. Um, they both have really good receivers. AJ Brown obviously is great. Corey Davis is probably never going to figure it out. Poor guy. Uh, Derrick Henry is incredibly fun. I think the the Titans are built to do exactly what they did last year, and I think that's going to be enough to b- beat Drew Locke. Listen, some people think Drew Locke is going to become some really like good quarterback. I'm not going anywhere near that until I see it. I see Benjamin Albright of Pro Football Network talk about how he well, he, he did that last year. I didn't see it. No one, certainly the world didn't cover that. So I'm going to I'm going to be picking against the Broncos until they win a game, and then I'll assess it. All right. You ready to get into our last segment this week? Sure. What life advice do you have for the listeners this week, Mr. Sowards? Oh, life advice. Well, first and foremost, the entire West Coast is on fire. <laughs> I shouldn't uh, laugh at this, but did not know that's where you were going. Um, well. Yeah. I will say this, though. The, the, the entire West Coast is on fire. Whether you believe in climate tra- change, whether you're a dumb piece of shit, it's none of my business. Uh, obviously, climate change is real. Obviously, the entire West Coast is on fire for a reason. Uh, as a guy who grew up on the West Coast my whole life, it's never this bad. This has never happened before. Now, what I will say is this. Mr. Rogers said from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. When tragedy strikes, look for the people that are helping. Always look for the people that are helping. Did he say this? Yeah, 100%. When he's talking to kids, trying to explain to them, like, who are, like, afraid of, like, big, giant tragedies or, like, you know, uh, events in which are are terrible, you know, look for the people that are helping. And I think that we're in a situation right now where we need to not only look for the people that are helping and appreciate them for what they're doing, but also we need to be the helpers. Um, so my life advice for this week is enjoy football. It's back. It's going to be great. We all need that release. But take a moment to see what you can do to help. Do you have a platform? Try and maybe post, tweet, put on your Instagram different ways to help. Do you have an excess amount of money? Find some charities that you enjoy or that you think are really good. Uh, find something that you can be a part of and donate your money if you can. Can you donate your time? Can you help? If you can help, no matter what way it is, whether it's monetarily, whether it's time, whether it's tweets, you know, getting the message out, help. So it's it's hard to process all the things that are happening because it does seem like it never ends but we can't just keep getting hit in the back of the head over and over and over again and you know being a little discombobulated and waiting for the next one to come this is kind of a moment where people need help uh you know medford oregon is like the most nowhere place in the world uh it's in southern oregon the most notable part about Medford is they have an In-N-Out. It's like the first In-N-Out that was in Oregon. Mm, uh, okay. A buddy, my buddy's family, you know, his brother-in-law, um, they just – not that I'm this specific person or anything, but just to give you an example of how this stuff never hits until it's co- close to home, 
they have 200 acres there. They have their home. Their, their whole life is there, right? It's all gone. And this is a city in which you would never think about with people that you don't know exist. And like my family's from Medford. You know, I've, I've, my aunts, my aunt lived there and my cousins and things like that. It's like these, there's entire cities and parts of the, the country right now that you'll never think about that are gone. Everything they have is gone. And that's hard to process, especially when we just want to get to Sunday or even tomorrow so we can enjoy football because we are football fans. That's why you're listening to me right now. Take the time to help if you can. And if you can't, try and find people that can and appreciate them for what they're doing. I like it. Optimistic. That is how you run into the back half of this week that is how we get ready for football do the right thing folks be a good person simple stuff simple stuff um mr sowards back next week at our new date because guess what the nfl is back no more wednesday shows no more what uh what flavor of white claw are you going to be shotgunning uh mango probably okay fair 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 fair. it i don't one more time say it out loud so we know, documented, who are you rooting for to win that game? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I, I cannot wait for this. You're going to be so mad. I love that you're going to be so rationally mad about the Jaguars winning a football game against the Colts. Like, you're just, I, I should be invested in this. And then when you see Gardner Minshew toss in that game winner, oh, it's going to be delightful. It's very excited for this. I might just shotgun a white claw myself in <laughs> celebration because I love them just for you losing. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to start making some bets every week. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Next Monday. We're back Indeed. on the Monday grind. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Go team. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.